Thanks for listening to the Media People Podcast, lively and insightful chats with the people who power the media industry. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Podcast, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or CastBox. Views expressed by participants are personal. It's part one of our chat with Laura Gaggi, founder and CEO of Gaggi Media. In this episode, Laura Gaggi chats with us about life growing up in Toronto, her first gig in media, and why she decided to go out on her own and start Gaggi Media, an agency that's been a major player in the Canadian media world for the past 24 years. Come back next week for part two, where we'll learn about the growth of Gaggi Media, some of Laura's ventures that didn't go as planned, and her most recent endeavor, Peloton Media. What is Gaggi Media? You're the CEO of it. What does that all entail? Being CEO of Gadget Media, what it really entails is um, trying to survive in a very exciting and dynamic um, industry right now. And it, it, it requires being a visionary about where, um, I guess, I believe the media business is going, where Gadget Media can pick up new business and thrive and help clients. And um, it really means um, watching everything that's going on in the business and if you know Staying where it's abreast going, of it all. If you know where it's going, please tell me. Because oh. it seems like every time someone throws an article up on LinkedIn about yeah. research with this, ad blocking with that, it sounds like I may or may not have a job or we may or may not have an industry in the next year. I know. And it's, um, it's, it's exciting in that regard. And I think um, with, with what is going on today, it requires us to stay sort of stay calm and carry on. You've heard that before, <laughs> but also to be just enough aware that the, that we, we have to change and we have to adapt and we have to understand the basics of business as well. Let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from? Where am I from? I'm from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Born and raised? <laughs> Born and raised. And and my mother's born and raised here too. So I was brought up as a Canadian uh, with a, an incredibly strong and vibrant Canadian mother. And then I had a father who's an immigrant, you know, from the back hills of Italy. Back hill of Italy. So what was life like then growing up with, say, Canadian mother, immigrant father well, from Italy in Toronto? Well, it was, it was interesting and confusing. Um, it was, I think, um, as I've aged, I realized how exciting it was to live with a different culture, to see, you know, to understand that there's more than um, Canada. I, I, I had an opportunity to go to Italy when I was very young, so I really was always excited about seeing the world, and that had a big influence on me. I got to ask you, what part of Toronto did you grow up in? Because I, I had a lot of family that settled in Toronto as well. Were you like in the Dufferin and Rogers Road, St. Clair No, area? I was actually at, by Yorkdale Plaza, so I was in, um, That's not you too know, far, it was uh, north of there. Uh, uh, by, like it Dufferin was, and Rogers it was Dufferin and Lawrence, yeah, Dufferin, Dufferin and Lawrence, Lawrence between <laughs> Dufferin and Lawrence and Dufferin and Wilson. It's like all the so. Italians had settled from basically Yorkdale yeah. along Dufferin That's down right. to St. Clair. That's right. What so, were some of your interests growing up? Growing up, oh, I had, um, I had a lot of interests. I think one of the biggest ones as a child was cooking. Um, I had a mother who was an amazing cook. She wrote a cookbook and I spent a lot of years and a lot of, um, Saturdays in the kitchen watching, you know, program cooking programs, believe it or not. This is before the cooking food channel and uh, all that now, but, you know, spending a lot of time cooking. 
And then I was into uh, languages in a big way again because of my culture. I, I loved the Italian language and the French language. We we studied that a lot. And then um, as I've aged, I've got mega, mega um, hobbies now as an adult uh, with a, a wonderful husband who we collect antique toys. We have a massive fleet of antique boats. Um, we are, um, you know, we're heavy into... into um, the history of uh, Canadian boating. So, okay. and I'm a golfer. I'm, I'm, I have a lot, I do a lot of things. I still cook. <laughs> you said antique toys and you had me there for a bit. Like how far back are we going? I'm thinking like rocking horses and things like that. Am I on the right uh, track? Well, or? it's all related to the, the boating, the boating industry, world. boating world, because, um, so it's all, it's, it's, um, it, it's toys that go probably early, um, early, 20th century. Okay. Up until, you know, sort of up to Japanese tin of the 50 of the 1950s. Okay. So we have a, an absolutely stunning collection. But this fleet of boats that you have, mm-hmm. where do you keep them? Well, well, I keep them we have an amazing property. My husband owned and his family owned a summer resort business for years. So we have quite a large um, uh, summer uh, property and we have lots of Lots of boathouses. Do they? Do they, you of, still take them out, or are they? Are oh, some, absolutely. Or really, gone, even yes. some of the older ones, you don't yeah. just kind of like. We have a long park deck them. launches. Yeah, the mahogany long deck, deck launches, and we have some fun racing boats and some, you know, little fiberglass boats with the fins on them. And my husband, when I met him, he had four hundred and fifty pre-war outboard motors. What? Been able to get him down to a cool two fifty. Wait, how many did you say he had? I like, said he had four hundred and fifty. He's he's where uh, do you keep cleaned out the fifty motors. I tell you, we have huge buildings with uh, you know, it's like a museum, really. The Gadgy Boat Museum. That's right. Well, it's the, actually the Kirk. The Kirk. <laughs> he's a Kirk. Yeah. Okay. I didn't take his last name. You started, or you were really big into cooking, and, and mm-hmm. boating clearly is a big staple of your life. So, how did you find your way into media then? Well, I was I was a smart girl. I went to university and uh, I studied English, and um, I actually found my job through um, the University of Toronto Employment uh, Services, and it was a job at McKim Advertising, which is now, I guess, I don't know if you even know McKim Advertising. Probably BBDO today, something okay. like that. So you were in the and creative side then? Cause no, I went in. I, I wanted to be a copywriter actually, but I found um, this media position, and I and I just flourished. I loved everything about it because I found I could be creative, and then I and I really loved um, what media had to offer in terms of just the whole, you know, idea of being able to uh, to to. To to advertise and understand what consumers wanted. So, what was your fir- what did your first role entail then? In uh, I was a media, I was a media estimator or coordinator, whatever you call them. So, I started, you know, in media where we um, did all the lousy stuff. Right, we had to do all the heavy paperwork and the billings, and you know, we have to traffic the the you know TV commercials and radio commercials by hand and. You know, I was a media buyer. I Those started off as an assistant media buyer. Mm-hmm. Those oh, had to be delivered by yeah, hand. Yeah, I didn't start in the world of com- computers, I hate to tell you. When I started out in media, it was kind of 50-50. When I was at the CBC, we had stuff that was electronically delivered, but every once in a while, UPS would show up at the 11th hour with a beta tape that had oh, to be trafficked yeah. right there. And then how did you grow within that position? Like, what did what was your next step after just being a media assistant? 
well, the next step is, and I think it still is today, you become either, you know, a media planner, a media buyer, and on to, you know, uh, more senior positions after that. So it was just learning the trade. It was a training a position at the beginning, and I was, I excelled in it, and I moved very quickly up the ranks. Did you find a lot of value working in the trenches early on? Because there are some people oh in the God, industry yeah. who find a way to, you know, jump that first media assistant level where they'll go to say buyer or planner or sometimes even manager or supervisor. But do you find that that was, there was a wealth of experience in there that groomed you for the next step? I think it was invaluable. And I still to this day believe that uh, training and mentoring is, is uh, critical, which I think is a big part of what's missing in today's sort of media world. If you come to Gadgie, you know, as a, as a young person, you will be trained, you will learn absolutely everything. You will be mentored. That's one of our big differentiations, I think. A lot of people come and they stay a long time. We have an incredibly, uh, we have an incredible uh, tenure here at Gadget. We have people who come right out of school and have been here, you know, for you know, 10 plus years. And that's, and that's a big thing. At Kelly Dutton, who's our president, president of Gadget Media, she's been with us over 18 years. And we wow. have many who've been here over 10 years. So we have a, we have a, we have great tenure here because we, we train and we build people up and we make them very strong media people. And that's a big thing, especially if, if people listening in who aren't too familiar with the media industry, especially on the agency side, supplier side as well, there's usually a lot of turnover. Oh, there's frightening turnover. That's probably one of the things I, I suffer most as a CEO is the turnover at, at client level. Um, you know, the, the tenure is so short that it's just so hard to have relationships anymore. And that's obviously a very new thing in this, you know, this day and age. We can hide behind emails and we can, you know, we don't have to answer the phones because we can see who's calling. And <laughs> it's just, it's a new world. But it's, you know, it's hard to uh, keep relationships. So FaceTime is very important. My, it's what I suffer from mostly. But you did leave that job you had and eventually you went out on your own. And uh, what made you start Gadget Media? Like, what was that moment when you said, I can do this on my own, or I'm going to go out on my own? What I did was, well, first of all, I spent eight years in my first job with some incredible people. Um, and I told you I was trained in the best way I could possibly be trained to be a strong media person. And then I went to Vickers and Benson, which doesn't exist anymore. It turned into Arnold at some point. I can't tell you what it is now. I lose track. Who's who? But um, I basically hit the glass ceiling. Mm. And I had been at, I guess, B&B eight years. And I wanted to be president of what was um, Genesis Media. Because what it was happening at the time, it was 1992 when I started Gadget Media, which was 24 years ago. But Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, well, thank think you. That, your anniversary was just years. last month. Yep. Thank you. But what happened at, what was happening at that time is that media agencies were sorry, large agencies were splitting off their media arms and media agencies were becoming independent businesses so they could grow and build out beyond, you know, the, the, the agency they were part of. And so that's what happened at VMB. They split off. We basically merged with Media Canada at the time. So Vickers and Benson Media merged with Media Canada, which was a $90 million government agency. And they put these two different cultures together and called it Genesis Media. 
So VMB was an incredibly creative place. Like I came from probably one of the most creative media environments I could, you can imagine. It was, we worked with, um, I'm Terry O'Malley, who was the CEO at at the time of Vickers and Benson. Very familiar with Terry O'Malley. I I love this man. He loved me actually. (laughs) We had a great relationship because I was a very creative media person. He really respected media creativity. He also brought us into meetings where we could be part of, of the promotions that were going on or sponsorships or PR, whatever was going on for a client we were part of, even the creative discussions. So I came from this really creative media environment. And even at McKim, I had, we had incredible leeway to be creative. And then they brought in this, this government AOR. Can you imagine the clash of cultures? Yep. Oh my God, it was horrible. Anyway, um, I wanted to run this thing, and, but I was young. I was 35 years old. And, um, you know, I thought I could do it. I knew how to do it. I had no problem doing it. But there were a lot of men that didn't think I, you know, I don't think they could handle me doing it. So I am lucky me. I resigned. And um, three clients came with me. Ah, okay. So I started Gadgie with three incredible pieces of business. They actually came with me instead of staying at, at Vickers and Benson. And it was Heineken. Okay. Gatorade and um, 3M. Those are like huge clients. Huge to have. clients. So I was highly respected, and I just flourished from there. I started to pick up businesses. The next business was uh, Land Rover. When Land Rover came to Canada, I picked up the Snapple business that was also part of this. You know, the the Quaker Oats, the Gatorade mm. family, and then it just went on and on from there. Picked up Loblaws, President's Choice, and then it just got incredibly wonderful for a lot of years. Let me ask you about that. You mentioned picking up those clients. Uh, I know we were talking about this earlier. I'm a sales rep by day, and there is an apparatus in place to anticipate me, to RFP me so I can pitch on business. But you as an agency head, having to go out and source new business and bring those clients in, I imagine it's a lot different. So how do you guys go about doing that? What is the process like? share that with me because that's something I find very I'm very curious about okay I don't you know I don't I'm not going to give away all the secrets don't give away the secrets but I'll tell you it's it's changing because of the you know the this business is changing um, and technology is causing it to change but um, historically um, most like agencies size of Gadgie which is mid-size not big large global agency we um we got business through our networking and our reputation. Okay. Today, we, the change is that because the change is that the technology is not allowing you to network the way you want to network anymore. I mean, you go to a conference, everybody's on their, on their, you know, on their, on their, on their smartphones. They don't even look at you. Like it's so difficult to do things that you, you used to be able to do. We can't even send an email to somebody now because it's, you know, and we have anti-spam <laughs> legislation. <That's true. laughs> so it's, it's not easy to connect with people, okay. you know, and I'm, so I'm doing it two ways. I'm doing it the old fashioned way. I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm still networking and building networks, but you know, sadly, as you mature in this business, a lot of my generation of people have retired or, or have been let go in the last, you know, I'd say 
five to 10 years. So my network has dwindled. So I'm trying to build a new network, which is not easy, you know, so I have to go out a lot. Yep. <laughs> it's hard, but also I'm also using some incredibly new technology to okay. generate new business. I won't ask you what that is. But I'm not going to tell you, you what it is because that's the secret much. sauce. That's, there's a bit we of secret sauce, that. but there is technology available now. Let's go back to Gadget Media version 1.0 when you just started. Is it safe to say that even though you were running the agency, you were still involved in a lot of the day-to-day stuff, oh like the buying God. and planning and stuff like that? I did everything. You did everything? Everything. Well, how many people were on staff when you started? You had three clients that you brought over with you, very major clients. I, I was doing most of it myself, and then I started to hire people. You know, I, it were, there were I don't know, two or three of us for a long time. And, and where then- was the original office? Uh, where was my original office? Yeah, it was like the first Gadgie Media where was my office. First Gadgie Media. Because oh, right I now stayed... we're in Young and Eglinton. Oh, I kept. I was well. You know what? I I was very fortunate. Again, it's back to Terry O'Malley. We had such a high respect for each other that he actually allowed me to stay. He wanted me to stay at in their offices. So I was. I had an office at Vickers and Benson as an independent consultant for these three clients. And they did all their media for them, even though Vickers, VMB still did the creative. Okay. But I did all the media outside of the their media department. So that's where I started. And then I had to move out eventually. And I moved in with the Gatorade event marketing team. We're going to stop it right there. But come back next week for part two of our chat with Laura Gadji. For more episodes, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Podcast, or subscribe on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts or CastBox. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vic Genova.